Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host Craig and today is a rare treat. Recently a friend of mine made a feature film that has now been released called Shadowland. So I took the time to catch up with him as well as a couple of the actors in the film about the process, their careers and their lives in general. First up is my interview with writer-director and my personal friend Simon Kay. And second up is my interview with actors Ben Keenan and Vivian Taylor. Hope you enjoy. Well, what we have here is an absolute first on Neil Before Pod. I've never interviewed a friend before, but I'm joined by my friend and director, Simon Kay. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Hello, Craig. Great to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And this is also the first interview we've ever done with someone that's done something who actually wrote something on the website. I did. Your Hateful Eight review from back in whenever the Hateful Eight came out. Uh, yes, I do. And I've just remembered that now. And I remember getting a message, an angry message from a girl that read it on Facebook who informed me that um, she said, I enjoyed the review and the film, but perhaps not a date movie, but thanks anyway, was literally what she said to me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> she, she didn't enjoy that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rare piece of feedback on writing on the website. So... Fair enough. Did I not tell you that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Did I you think I've forgotten. Oh, uh, yeah, no, totally. I just I remembered it because she said, she said, oh, yeah, but it was just good, enjoyed it, but she went, perhaps not a date movie for a Saturday night. Anyway, thank you. And I was like, okay, right. I didn't reply. <laughs> Did you even say that in the review? I guess you must have. It'll be in the show notes. Check it out and see, <laughs> see if that's what you said. So you've made a film, which is amazing. Thank you. Like I say, never interviewed someone that I know before. So well done on achieving something and I won't say that Neil Before Blog was the stepping stone to your success in the movie industry but it's implied it's definitely implied. take full credit I mean as things continue and if there's more credit then take more I will take every scrap of credit I can get that's what it's all about <laughs> so Shadowland is your movie so why don't you just tell the listeners in your own words what it's about how it came about and how you came up with it and where it went. So Shadowland was an idea I had for a while. And it was a lot of, I, you know, like yourself, I frequent the cinema quite a lot and go to a lot of um, film festivals, etc. And I've always had an interest in low budget genre movies. I, I enjoy them. And I always thought if you're going to make something, that's what you're going to make, especially when you have no budget. So it's, a, it's kind of a no brainer. But the thing with all of these low budget movies that I watched, there were always two people in a room or maybe three people in a room but it was always very very confined for obvious reasons and perhaps I was, I was gonna say perhaps maybe I wasn't clever enough to write a story that worked for that <laughs> that kept interesting that long but more I was kind of like I wonder if I could do something that's got you know a lot more basically put everything in front of the camera production wise so we don't have very much money so we'll just make it look as big as possible so I have lots of actors lots of locations like helicopter whatever we can get to put in there to not hide the budget more to kind of make it stand out that was the difference do something that stands out because I sincerely believe that for every action you make, there's going to be a reaction, you know? So I'm like, well, if I do something like that, someone's going to notice at some point and something's going to happen from that. That was the whole idea and thought process behind it. And yeah, it kind of worked out well because a lot of people, as sure you'll know, it's a collaborative art form, isn't it? And a lot of people got involved, helped out, gave me time. And it kind of miraculously kind of happened. <laughs> Yeah, that was the thought behind it. Cool. 
And how did the idea for the plot come about? What fueled that? And did it change a lot as you were developing it? thing with writing is I've got lots of different scripts. So I write quite a lot and they're always different ideas. And I'd say more influenced by things I like. So I sit down and think, what did I like about that film or this film or this genre? And then I'll just make it into my own and start writing. I've never written anything and known the ending. And I've never really structured, which is really bad to say because people could say that's really obvious and that that would be true. But no, I've never really written everything out and structured. I more just start. And I think what started with Shadowland, truthfully, was the idea of, because they're all in tuxes, the guys. At first I thought, what if you had lots of people dressed like James Bond running around in the woods? So you've got that texture and the different kind of you know, vibe, the rural film, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you've got James Bond rather than kind of hillbillies. And I was like, oh, that's quite cool. So that was the very first idea. And then I got thinking about the women and I thought if we made them like an ambassador's family and they all had to be dressed to the nines for it, then they would all have to be really dressed up, but you put them in a different environment. So then the idea of the dresses came in, obviously all the women in that are very well dressed in all the sort of nice designer dresses. And that was where it actually came from, bizarrely, from the costumes. That's where the first ideas of it came. And then it was just a case of putting it together as in what happens to them? Who's taken them? Why is that? And really just as I went along, I just pulled things that I liked or that I would like to see. Cool. So it just kind of evolves as you start to pull the story together and different things come in. That's really cool. Very grassroots, I guess. It does. I mean, I've learned now (laughs) with hindsight (laughs) that there are certain things that maybe I would have been a little bit more, uh, should we say, careful with when writing. So there's certain scenes where I've put in, not whether, because I was aware of, I mean, I've worked on a lot of film sets. I've always been involved in films, so I kind of know how a film set operates and how it works. But there were times I'd maybe got a little carried away and thought, you know, walk away into the sunset. Obviously, I'm never going to afford any digital effects. I've not got supervisors. So I'm literally waiting for a sunset on a hill in Crail at four in the morning. And yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, hmm, maybe you shouldn't have written it like that, or maybe just changed it in the morning. If you don't need it for the story, then sometimes there's stuff like that to think about. So be prepared for what you're willing to let go of and replace with something else if it doesn't work out. Yes, and I learned that very quickly. And actually, interestingly, one of the things I really did learn was we built a set in a studio in Livingston. A guy I met on, I think it was train spotting. He knew a guy who ran a studio in Livingston that did a lot of the football channels and things so I went and spoke to him really nice guy and we managed to organize it and he let us build you know the underground bunker in the film uh, Kane's house where they all go down yeah. he let us build that set in there and I tell you after two weeks filming at four in the morning in the freezing cold in November in Crail being inside and on a workable set I was just like everything I ever write from now on is going to be ironically two people in a room <laughs> in a set nothing happening because just the camera movement, the camera placement, moving things. It was just so much easier. That's obvious when you say it like that, but just how much we got done there compared to, like, just even things like the batteries weren't freezing. There was a night in Crail when we went to change the battery. We'd been there an hour and a half and it was so cold they had drained, just drained out sitting there and they couldn't charge because all the chargers were so cold and the generator wouldn't get them warmed up and stuff like that that you just, what can you do? <laughs> Yeah, all the horror stories you hear about outdoor filming just come true at once. And then it rains a lot. That's Scotland for you? Just 
going to happen. <laughs> no, exactly. But and you know what? It's about the people, isn't it? And the, everyone we got involved, the actors especially. You say there's filming outside, and I warned them beforehand. I said, look, this isn't going to be easy, but I don't think, from my point of view, I think I'm going to be underestimated. I knew it was going to be hard, but there were certain parts of it that were just exceedingly difficult weather conditions wind and they're in flimsy clothes a lot of them and it's freezing cold and it's driving rain and asking them to read their dialogue run around do the scene do it a different way and even trying to direct on those time constraints as well when you've not got long and you have to move on and at one point the ad came to me and she said we're meant to be filming 11 pages today but that's just the schedule and there's nothing you can do about that once it's locked in so just a lot of things like that i learned and it was great and it's Good to do it at that level when everyone's there because they want to be and everyone's happy to be there and everyone's driving towards the same thing and you're all trying to achieve something. And I think that's the way to do that because it's a learning curve and it's, it was an enjoyable one now <laughs> at the time. It nearly killed me, but now it was an enjoyable time. And look back and laugh. Was there any sort of apocalypse now-ish horror stories like everyone coming down with some kind of illness on the set or anything like that Sally, no one got too sick that i know of the only time i was genuinely quite worried was when we were filming a night scene up in crail and there were a lot of empty buildings you remember from that barracks yeah. we were in the abandoned barracks and one of them there was just flames just started to erupt from one of them proper full-on fire so we cut and i ran over because the woman that owns it spoke to her and the guy and we you know we told it's a raceway and we told them we'd be really sensible and safe with it all and i saw this fire so i've run over and there was a bunch of guys burning mattresses and garbage in the building so we've gone like what's happening and they got out of their cars and came over and i'm standing there and they were like who are you I was like, oh no, who are you? And then I realised where we were, the middle of nowhere. I've seen a lot of like extreme French <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> and I was like, this never went well. <laughs> but actually, it turns out that they were friends of someone that lived next door and they had lots of stuff that they needed to burn. So obviously they came across and burnt it in the house. And we were like, okay. And we left them to that. But that was a bit dicey at the time. <laughs> Did you think about writing in a fire? that you could use for the film just because it was already there. I kind of did say to the DP because he ran over and I said, where's your camera? And he said, the assistant's got it. And I was like, all right. And a part of me was thinking, we could just get that. And then I was like, Simon, just just stop. Just just go back and finish what you're doing and go home for the night. <laughs> you're lucky they didn't murder you. We'll leave it at that. I know, I know. <laughs> tell you that, it was not enjoyable, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it's your first directing gig or your first big credit directing gig on IMDb anyway. How did you learn the craft? You did say you've been in a lot of film sets, so did you do a lot of shadowing, or was it just paying attention to what was going on and how the set runs and things like that? It's mainly that. I mean, I've always, I mean, I think, just like yourself, I bought every DVD and Blu-ray ever and scoured the extras. Probably the extras and Lord of the Rings are as responsible for, <laughs> for my career, for me, what I want to do and anything else. I've begun a few films and made a few kind of short projects before and that was just for myself and I was like okay I like this and I enjoy doing it and it's kind of learning the process and then the first thing I worked on was the secret agent for the BBC and then it was Trainspotting 2 and I kind of realized when I was on that that 
as much as I loved just being there and being involved and being on set, it irked me a little bit that I never had any creative control. Not that I wanted any on Trainspotting too, because obviously that was in the very capable hands of Danny Boyle. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I like it. And he's great. And that was brilliant. But I do remember being on set at certain times and seeing Danny working with Ewan Bremer and Ewan McGregor and them doing their thing. And I, I was standing at the sideline thinking, oh, that's what I will be doing here. I will be involved with the creative process, working in a collaboration with people. And it seemed to me the best way to do that was just to begin myself and sort of take it from there. And that's what Shadowland really was. It was the first step on that journey because that's where I think there's the most fulfillment is in those creative decisions and being part of that core team that does all of that and that's how I see it the way the director gets to work with the actors and the producer and all those people involved in what you're actually getting to see. How did you actually get the production started? Was it about shopping around trying to find someone to finance it? Was it self-financed? Was there a bit of both? So I had the script and I was deciding what I was going to do and how I was going to make it and then I realized quite quickly that I could spend a lot of time trying to find someone to invest in it. I even had a look at Kickstarter and things like this. I had a look at that stuff and there's so many projects, there's so much noise that I was like, the only way this is going to get done is if I just do it. So I found a couple of close friends and people to invest a small amount. So what did I start with? Things snowballed a bit, but when I began, I started with £13,000 And ironically, the first set of dates were 13 days. We shot over 13 days for the core bulk of it. So there you are, lucky 13. (laughs) And honestly, I don't advocate this at all, but a lot of it was I had credit cards and I had some overdraft. And when it was a case of paying for diesel and hiring people, it was that old story. I just did that. And again, I don't advocate that for anyone else. I'm just saying that seemed to me to be my only option. So I did it that way. And then I met a producer in London called Seb, he answered an advert that I put up for something else. I put an advert up for actors, I think. It was for a small part. And he answered saying, hey, I love the look of this. I'm a producer. Do you want some help? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out well. He came up in the end for a few days. He helped me with some product placement. And he actually organized the dresses because he got a hold of House of Icons, who provided all of the gowns that women are wearing. And so they're like straight from the runway, which was kind of terrifying as well, because all of those dresses are original pieces. One designed by a woman that clothes the princess of Thailand or something, because I literally got an email from them saying, could we please have the dresses back as it needs to be shipped back to Thailand? And Craig, if I'd shown you this dress, it was caped in mud i had to get dry clean like three times i think it cost nearly as much as the film to get the dresses back in order to send them back to the people <laughs> with them. but we got it done so anyway that was a complete tangent so yeah seb came up and he helped me with a lot of that aspect of it that i didn't know about and just got the project bigger than what it kind of was that's how this worked really the more people got involved the bigger it became because people were bringing things and we were all working for the same thing And the actors and things, I was like, where am I going to put all these people? Like, how are we going to do it on this budget? So I thought, well, if we hire that mansion, which we did, and I could house everyone in there through day and also use it as a location. And that's the very house you see in the film. (laughs) So it was that kind of thing. Very, very super low budget. Almost the Kevin Smith approach, just pay for it yourself and hope for the best. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 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 not going to lie, but that's 
in my head. Yeah, watch a lot of the Kevin Smith stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, I'll try that. But then again, I'm not as witty with the dialogue. So I, thought I have to do it a different way, but the same approach. Who knows, maybe one day you'll be able to just tour the land and just speak for a living. That could be where you end up. He is actually almost like a stand-up comedian these days, though. Yeah, pretty much. That's great. Yeah, you, you took a chance and it paid off. Obviously, it could have easily not paid off, but mm-hmm. let's not think about that because that's not worth thinking about. No, it really isn't. And actually, one of the guys in the film, Stuart, who played Eli, it was actually towards the end, we needed to do some reshoots and the money was running very low and we were doing things. And actually it was at that point that Stuart stepped up and we had some reshoots to do with him. And he said, oh, how are things going? How are you doing these scenes? And he must have caught me at a moment when I was just complete like, Stuart, I don't know. I do not have the brain capacity right now to make anything up <laughs> or tell you how we're going to do this. I don't know, but I will get it sorted. And he was like, I know you will. And kind of went back to London. And then about a week later, he phones me and said, are you still looking to shoot those extra scenes? And I was like, yes, I am. They were shot in a biscuit factory in Leaf, actually, the interior kind of lighting scene with one of those ones. And I knew I needed them and I wanted them. And he phoned me about, oh, are you still looking for the scenes? I said, yes. And he said, look, I really like it. I think I can help. Let me come and get involved. He pretty much sorted that block out at the end for me. So that was great. From there, it went into post and got put together. And it was a lot of work in post because obviously you can imagine the howling wind <laughs> and the lights and all of that so that we hired the editors and people and put it together. And then, yeah, as you say, it was kind of like, this worked. And that, that was a good moment where we were like, oh, hang on, there, there's a film here. Because a lot of people might, you know, they might have online editors or et cetera, et cetera. We didn't have that. I wasn't editing as we went. So actually... I always thought, oh, no, there'll be a film there. But there was a moment where I thought, what if there's not? <laughs> what if I've shot nothing and there's nothing to put together? There was a, le- a legitimate concern. Yeah, I'll never do that again. <laughs> but <laughs> it was there. <laughs> In terms of directing, who are your biggest influences? I already know this, but <laughs> the listeners don't. So, so I'm asking it. I loved, as you know, the Rodriguez, Tarantino, Swift, all of that ilk. I love that. Recently, I've been going back a bit though and loving at the moment Sergio Leone massively I was actually in Spain just before this outbreak happened because I was looking at trying to get a western off the ground a Scottish Spanish western and I was visiting all the sets where Sergio Leone filmed like they're all still there all these little western towns so went over there and had a look and talked to the Spanish Film Commission and there was looking like we could do something between there but then Brexit and then obviously the coronavirus after that really put a spatter in those works. But I love all the Sergio Leone stuff and Hitchcock. I mean, it's a lot of the same kind of people, but trying to do it in a different way. I think it's like, if you look at what, what Sergio Leone did with Kurosawa, I would love to do in Scotland, taking these really strong genre films. I'm not saying I'm going to create a new genre because that would be fairly egotistical. I'm definitely not going to do that. But I like the cross genre. I like taking from little bits of it all and kind of making it but our own about what we're doing here. Yeah, there's not as much clarity in that answer as I would have liked, but I hope you know what I mean. <laughs> Keep driving at it, why not? There's always a call for unique looks at things. So... Yeah, they may stumble onto something, just pick and choose from different people. The Tarantino thing I definitely picked up on when I watched the film with a bunch of people in a basement getting on each other's nerves. That's a very Tarantino thing. I just don't think there's enough genre cinema, and maybe I've just not seen it, but there's not enough genre cinema coming out of Scotland or especially Scotland. And even the UK, I really like that kind of 
American grindhouse cinema. And it's not even just Tarantino. Tarantino is obviously a huge part of that, but it's not just that. There's a lot of it that I really enjoy. And I think we take the film over here really, really seriously, which is brilliant. And we should, and it, we do great stuff. But I just think there's a space for stuff that's maybe just high concept, genre driven, not taking itself as seriously. I think I could fill that space. <laughs> well, why not? Someone has to. Might as well be you. So you're casting. Quite an impressive cast. Amelia Eve went on to prominence in the Netflix show The Haunting of Bly Manor, and there's another one coming up. How did you get your cast, and how much interest was there when you were in the casting process? Was it just people that wanted to be in it, or did you do a call-out for it, or a mixture of both? Because there was no budget, basically, I couldn't do physical casting, which I would have liked to do. I really would have, but I couldn't. So we went the self-tape route. And I did put some calls on acting websites and Seb and people like that. And I just went out to people and said, this is what I'm doing. Can you read? So I just got self-tapes and we got a lot, hundreds of self-tapes. And I just watched through them and through them and through them until I found people that I thought fit. And then I just spoke to them and explained. We did audition, but a lot of them on their self-tapes, you could see what they could do. And a lot of them had showreels. So I said, right, if we bring them up and we put them in a room, I like dialogue I've written and I do, but if someone doesn't say it exactly the right way, but it's still real when they say it, I'm kind of all right with that. I mean, it's what the characters bring the last few pages of the script. I really do believe that. And these characters did that. It was looking for those types of people, the type of people that were going to come sit in a room, do a read through and go, you know what, Simon, I like this, but can I say it like this? And yeah, sometimes I'd be like, no, but a lot of the time I'm like, no, that's better. Like you've, you've taken it. That's your character. You get the idea of the character. That's fine. Let's do it. And it was finding those people. And that actually came across in a lot of the self-tapes we got from the people we ended up choosing because their self-tapes were really great when they would read it. But I'd give them a scene breakdown and a character breakdown and then they would read. But maybe they would do it two or three different ways or just say something at the end that stuck. And that's the way we kind of did it. And Amelia, she came through to Seb and we got a few self-tapes for Elaine and saw her and was like, yeah, of course, and she's great. So we were immediately like, get her involved and up. She was one of the last ones, actually, I think, because it was a wee bit later we cast her. So they all came up, we put them all in that house and did a big read through and it kind of all evolved from there. So yeah, basically self-tapes is the, is the short answer. <laughs> cool. Obviously there's a lot of interest. Does that tend to happen? Do actors just see that there's a film looking for cast and want to expand their portfolio so they'll just blast out their tapes to everybody? Yeah, I think so. I think with, especially feature films, because I think there's a lot of shorts. So a lot of the guys or a lot of the self-tapes we were seeing from people were people that were looking for a first feature. So they're kind of like, I will do this feature. I want this feature because I think it makes a big, it's their first one, it's their first experience. And then they can tick that off on the resume. I guess we'd have to ask a lot of the actors, but we did see a lot of that. People saying they would travel further because it was a feature. So we had quite a few people. I mean, we had people from... A couple of French and Italian actresses and got in touch. I don't even know how they found out because we were on UK sites, but they were like, look, this is a feature. If you need an Italian, I'm happy to travel. And we actually did take an Irish guy up on them. And that's really bad that I've got this name, but the guy hits Kenneth with the pool ball in the pub. It was an Irish guy, <laughs> a really good guy. And yeah, he's got involved and sent a showreel about playing this bug in a pub. And he was like, I'm in Ireland, but I'm happy to fly over. And we were like, yeah, then do it, you know? <laughs> Your dime, go for it. I hope that they will be able to take that in many ways. It was good. People wanted to be involved and I think they do. And I think if you have a project and 
you kind of put out to people, you get the right people, the right people that want to be involved, get in touch. It's just a case of making sure people know what you're doing. And they know what's expected and they know what will be expected of them and so on, rather than getting the wrong end of the stick, I guess. Yeah, well, I kind of told them that that was the end of the, I think it was Skype at the time I was using. I didn't know about Zoom at this point, And I think I was on Skype. And I think the last thing of my Skype was, just so you know, this is going to be horrendous. We're going to be in fields all night. It's going to be cold. It's just going to be shit, basically, is what I said to them. But I said, at the end of the day, we're going to be in a film. It's going to be great. We're going to do that. But the actual conditions, they're really going to suck. And you're not going to have a trailer. I can probably put you in the back of a car with a jacket. I'll even give you my jacket, but that's about as good as it's going to get. And the ones that we chose were, of course, the ones that said, yes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no divas on set of a low-budget horror action thing. No, totally. But I can't speak highly enough of the cast. And I was really lucky because I genuinely feel that there's certain things that let down those kind of movies there was a time when i was first beginning this was way way back and i thought you know what maybe i should just cast people i know who aren't really actors but people i know that would be up for it and i'm so glad i didn't go that route because i know it works for some people they can do the whole non-actor thing but no having proper people involved who know what they're doing who come and sit and have their training who and have a bit of experience they've all worked on other stuff so they all knew what to expect and there was no why is it taking so long no one once asked that everyone just accepted you'd be like look we've got to do this we're resetting it's going to be a couple of hours and everyone was just like fine and they just went and had a cup of tea and waited and there was no bitching or anything which was just amazing (laughs) (laughs) makes your job easier for sure yes yes I always like to get stories about pranks or whatever happening on set, all the funny stuff. So what was some of the funniest stuff and who facilitated it? <laughs> Facilit- okay, let's give me one minute here. <laughs> <laughs> Think, I'm now thinking, what's appropriate and what's not? <laughs> but to be honest, <laughs> a lot of it, everyone was so, because we're always working and tired and I didn't see much of it this is the thing because I'm always on set doing stuff I hear everyone having a great time down at the tent where everyone's eating and the people that aren't on camera we're shouting over them to be quiet because we're filming you could hear like laughter you could hear fun and stuff but I wasn't involved in any of that Craig I was just stuck looking at the camera trying to scrape dry blood off Jason's beard because we had to do a reshoot and the blood was stuck and trying to get the makeup girl to wash the blood off, but not his makeup and then get the lighting the right way so we could do it again. But it didn't look like he was covered in blood. That was kind of my experience of it. <laughs> not as much of the fun. Well, ask the actors then. They might know. Yeah, yeah Ben will. Ask Ben tomorrow. Yeah, he'll know. <laughs> you did say you learned a couple of things. What was some of the biggest things that you learned and what would you do differently if you had to do this again or maybe on your next one? Well, I'm already kind of started on the next things that I'm doing and it's already planning, 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 planning. And you can't plan for everything, but I feel like you can always plan more than you did the first time. And the second, you can always plan more as you go forward. So you'll plan more the third time you did the second time. And I think that as much as I was aware and as well prepared, I didn't do storyboards because I thought, you know what, I know how it's going to look in my head and things will change on the day. And of course they did. But now I'm thinking, no, I I want to do some storyboards, not because I'm necessarily going to stick to them, because it's just another layer of planning, if that makes sense. By no means do I have to do the shots that I've written out or drawn or done anything, but having them there just gives me that extra layer of protection to say, you know what, 
maybe I'll get these and then I'll do what else I want to do. They're the types of things which I don't think I took full stock of for the first time. I think I was a little bit cavalier where I was like, well, it's, it's going to be fine. There's no problem at all. We'll just, we'll do it this way and do it that way. And then it's like, oh, hang on. And thankfully everything is fine and it all worked out. But I have had moments where we've lost some footage and I was like, shit, I got one shot. I got one take of that and I thought it was great and I thought it looked brilliant. And then the editor's like, I can't find it. And I'm like, oh shit, like, why didn't I just do two? There should be a safety one. Like, why didn't I? And it's just little things like that. And it's the building blocks of the process. Now I realize that just prepare, 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 and then prepare some more. And it'll still won't work perfectly, but it'll be better. So I think that's what I would say. Definitely the, the preparation of it all, because also preparation is free in pre-production. It's not costing you any time or money. Whatever you want to do is completely free. And it's just going to make everything easier down the line. And I think... I'll never, ever say we'll sort it in post in my life again, because <laughs> I said that a couple, like a car horn went off at one point and there was something else that happened. And I was like, no, we can sort that in post. And then after speaking with the editor and going over it for three days or something, it still came back from the sales agent as needed to be fixed a final time. And I'm like, if on the day I should have just done it again. And that never would have happened. But that was me thinking that I had to rush and going, no, 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 do it in post. So it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. Even if your storyboards are just a couple of stick figures and a rudimentary drawing. and oh, yeah. They will be at best. <laughs> <laughs> just on a reporter's notebook, just quick yeah. doodles. Guaranteed. Credit yourself yeah. as a storyboard artist. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also, actually, that's another thing I'd like to do is screen more movies with the crew before we get started. I didn't get a chance to do that. And I think that would have benefited from... GIPs were great and everyone was brilliant, so there's no complaints. But I think what might have helped a little bit, just for my liking, is if I sat down with the core crew before and maybe screened... And also, I just enjoy it, (laughs) but also just screened four or five movies that I really like the look of or I like the way they're shot or the way they sound. I think that would have been a good thing to do to get everyone kind of excited on the same page. I didn't do that. But again, time and money and hindsight. But yeah. Yeah, get it better next time. That's what it's all about. Can't nail it first time. Exactly. So can you tell us a bit about your future plans? What's your next project hopefully going to be? Or is it kind of hush-hush until it materialises? So... Darbury Pictures at the moment, we have a couple of things. There are two that we're negotiating with at the moment. So I can't really say too much about them because they're not fully locked yet, but I'm really hoping they will be soon and they're really exciting. So those kind of things are a dream because if you told me two years ago that I'd be able to be having those discussions, I would never have believed you. And now those discussions are reality. So that's been the biggest thing for me. I'm having these discussions and they're not just in my head. (laughs) There's someone else having the talk with me. imagining so that's amazing and i also got approved pictures the tax breaks eis and seis which is a long way of saying that there's tax benefits for investing in the company which is brilliant because it means that i had to put a slate of films forward so between me and my writing partner gail and danny who work with dark brood we've got all of our and tony we've got together a load of ip and scripts that we've all written and worked on and we've put them together as a slate. So now we're looking to basically start making that slate and that will be a series of films and I'm quite confident that we can now get, I mean, once 
the world is a bit more normal and we can get things back on track. I'm hoping they can be quite quickly executed. They're kind of lower budget genre, not as low budget as Shadowland, but definitely more achievable. But it's just nice to know that there's a plan. There's more than one. And that's the idea is just to keep doing it because content is required. Everywhere at the moment is requiring content. We're in a position now to produce it quickly with quality effectively and know the people so that's the biggest thing that's the exciting thing for me is what it's going to lead to what's about to happen cool well good luck in that and hopefully i'll be reviewing your next film and interviewing you about that as well i hope it will get you down to set one day as well and there'll be a somewhere inside and it won't be raining i promise (laughs) (laughs) neil before blog set visit it's the dream yeah that'd be great it'd be great i look forward to it yeah. So last question. Everyone gets asked this. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Any superpower? Is hindsight a superpower? <laughs> no, I'm joking. As it can be. <laughs> yeah. uh, hindsight would be great. Uh, maybe that would be seeing the future. Maybe, maybe that. Well, I suppose. Yeah. Although I quite like the doorways Doctor Strange can do. I mean, you'll, you'll tell me what they're called. You're better. But I quite like the idea of doing a circle and stepping through it somewhere. Teleportation? Yeah, the sling rings, the, the easy. Yeah, that would work. I've taken a sling ring. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my superpower, yeah. sling ring. <laughs> yeah. Teleportation of some sort. That's a good one. Yes. It's yes. one of the less popular ones. People like to fly, but no one likes to get there instantly, which is weird. I'm all about getting places quickly, especially after being in the house so long. I'm like, look, I want to go somewhere. If I could step through a ring now and be on a, I don't know, a beach in Hawaii, I'd be a very, very happy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would make all the travel to locations much easier as well. You'd be able to film anywhere. Exactly, exactly. I, yeah, I could be doing like 20 films at one time. And then I'd just die of a heart attack. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd forget what films were and you would just, you wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's, that happens on one creek. <laughs> I'm joking. Definitely <laughs> 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 got that out. <laughs> so yeah that's great really good luck with the film it's been a pleasure talking to you about it and getting to interview a friend about a film we've made is it every blogger's dream i guess it's this blogger's dream so awesome (laughs) and and you've done it yeah so well done really nice to catch up and have a chat about it actually i really enjoyed it thank you so good luck with the film this will probably be out after march 1st but it's out on march 1st or if you're listening to it after march 1st it's out now so Give it a watch. Where will it be found? Do you know? Yeah, at the moment, I think. So what I'm hearing is it's on Apple TV and iTunes and I th- Sky. Is it Sky Q? Is that what their set-top box is called? I hear it's going to be pay-per-view on Sky is what I'm hearing on 1st March. But okay. I haven't had the initial details of that yet, but I'm pretty sure it'll be on Sky. Cool. A few options then. Well, thanks very much for joining for this interview. It's been a pleasure and I hope the film goes down well and people respond to it and then you get to make all your other ones. Thank you very much. Now for the interview with Ben Keenan and Vivian Taylor. I'm joined by Ben Keenan and Vivian Taylor, stars of the movie Shadowland that was directed by my personal friend Simon Kay. So how are you both doing? Very well, thank you. Very happy to be here on Internet Land chatting to you. <laughs> yeah, what Vivian said. Thanks for having us, Craig. Good to be talking about Shadowland. Good to have a Bit of press about it. Yeah, happy to have a wee bants. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry I said bants. Can we strike, can you re-record that bit? 
it'll oh. get us in with the young crowd. Yeah, man. The young power will get us in with the young crowd. <laughs> the wolf <Perfect>. crew. Just <laughs> glad I didn't say hashtag before it. <laughs> <laughs> You've said it now. Hashtag Shadowland. Hashtag. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do follow that, actually. <laughs> hashtag Shadowland movie. Yeah, we'll try that. Try it all. One of them will work. So we'll start with the movie. How did you get attached to the project? So Vivian, you can go first. How did you get attached to Simon's labour of love? That's a brilliant question. It's a really cool story. I was on the phone one night to a friend who's quite an established film and TV actor. And he was saying, oh, you know, have you got anything coming up? And I said, no, nothing. Keep applying for things. I've not heard anything. There's nothing happening at all. It's just so quiet, blah, blah, blah. And he said, look, just relax. Something will happen. And I said, I know, but I just need a nice, good, juicy role. And he went, no, Vivian, you don't need an acting job. You would just quite like one. So just start thinking that this is not a necessity. It's just something that would be nice to have. So the next day I woke up and I thought, right, okay, new frame of mind. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to think nice things, just not force anything. And it was a rainy Sunday afternoon at this point and I got an email through a casting website from Simon saying hi I've got one more part to cast in my feature film and I've just watched your show reel and I absolutely loved it if I send you the script could you have a read at it and if you're interested the part's yours because your show reel was exactly the character that I was looking for and I was just a bit like um yeah okay so I read the script within an hour and a half loved it and phoned him and we were on the phone for about an hour just chatting. And I was saying, to, I was moaning and groaning to a friend yesterday that, you know, there was no acting work. And here we are. And I was like, there you go. You just never know what's around the corner. So that was it. I mean, it was just magical, to be honest. It was great. So that's how I got involved. <laughs> oh, what about yourself, Ben? Oh, my God. Line for line, this is exactly the same story as mine. No way. <laughs> No, I'm only joking. That would be mental. No, um, my story is somewhat similar, but I was actively trawling through said website for work like I do every day because although I've got agents, I'm kind of in that midland realm of, oh, I've seen you in a couple of adverts, but you're not big enough to put you in anything that we think is above your pay grade. So it's yeah. the slog of every day searching for things that you might be right for. I came across this film. I initially applied for the role of Mickey, who's played by the fantastic Jason Harvey. I'll say that again mm-hmm. in case I lost that. Jason Harvey plays Mickey in the film and he is amazing and he's a great lad. So anyway, I was up for his part originally, but Simon came back to me and he was like, something's happened. I don't know what happened. The main guy, I think, got tied on to something else contractually. And he was like, would you be interested in reading for the role of Cam as the lead role? Or he called me, sorry, after audition for Mickey. And I was out drinking wine in the sunshine in London, of course, as actors <laughs> normally do. That's all Ooh, we yes. do, darling. We just drink wine in the sunshine. And it worked. Uh, it I always was knew lovely, it. Knew it. it was so delightful. <laughs> but he called me and I, I pretended to be all cool about it. I was like, yeah, sure, Simon. I'll have a look at the script and see if I'd be right for the lead role, Cam. And then I <laughs> looked at my friends and it was like, you know, after... Probably a good 15 years of living in London and logging away, doing commercial here, a bit of theatre there, a bit of comedy there. Yeah, he offered me the part. So it was amazing. It was a rush of blood to the head and a bit of validation for lots of waiting tables and taking grief and going up for crap jobs. And you could tell he was really 
passionate about it. So it was amazing to get cast in it. Was it really daunting to take on the lead or was it just something that you slotted into? To be fair, like when I saw Mickey's character break down, uh, although it was a smaller part, it was a smaller part that I don't think I would have done the justice that Jason did. it. He brought like his own personality to it. And I think that part would have been lost on me. So I think it worked out really well that Mickey ended up being played by Jason. And Cam, he's straighter. And it was a short time for me and saying yes to the role, to shooting the role. So in that time in between, I got to grips with who I thought Cam was, essentially. Um, but to be given a lead role is, in any sense is, is amazing. So I was really chuffed for that. But it was all quite lastminute.com, in my view, anyway. I, I come to know recently that you can get less time to shoot things. And you have had less time to shoot things. So I think we did the best that we, we liked personally in the, in the time frame. But... After all the same. What was Simon like to work with as a director? What is he like on set? What is his style? Simon is such a lovely dude. And when when I first met him, and he'd probably laugh at this, he's huge. He's built like a brick shed house. I'm hoping we're allowed to have a little bit of <laughs> naughty language. But when I first met him, I was like, wow, this dude's huge. And I almost thought of him being calm because he looks the part. He's got the short hair. He's got kind of... But he's like a big gentle giant and he's really lovely to work with because he, he asks you questions and he has such a love for the film itself, but also movies and filmmaking in general. You can tell that by the genres that are kind of represented in, in some of the, the movies. I'm sure you'll talk about that later in the film itself. But just really lovely to work with in the sense that he would ask you, how do you think this would be going? How do you think you'd be feeling coming into this? He had technical directions, but also he let you as an actor just make your own choices and if I went up to him and says, is that too much over the top? I'd be like, well, it looks fine to me, but what do you think? And that's not passing the buck back. It's more, it's just really great to have someone give you the confidence to make that decision yourself. And then he'd be like, if he didn't agree with it, he'd be like, I don't really like that, Ben, but what about this instead? And you'd just be like, oh, all right, cool. But so he had a very lovely way of making you feel like the decision was yours and not him telling you what to do, if that makes sense. Cool. And was that your experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. Simon was a complete gentleman from start to finish. He was a director who really listened to his actors as well. So if we wanted to throw anything in, you know, if I said, oh, you know, what about if I did this? He'd go, oh, right, tell me more. And he was just so welcome for new ideas. And also what I really liked about him is before I did the film, I was quite a girly girl. I'd never done anything with guns or anything like that. And I was like, Simon, sorry if this is a really stupid question, but do I actually look like I'm holding the gun properly or do I look like I'm some <laughs> pathetic girl going, ooh, I'm holding a gun. And he's like, no, it's not a stupid question. You look good. Maybe raise your arm a wee bit or do this or do that, as did another one of our advisors, Dave Caldwell, who was also amazing. <laughs> but no question was stupid. And I think that's just incredible because sometimes, yeah. without sounding all women's lip, sometimes when you're a girl on a film set surrounded by predominantly males, you sometimes do feel a bit like, well, you know, they've been playing with guns, playing cowboys and Indians since they were two. And I haven't. So this is not second nature to me. So you were always made to feel welcome and valid. And I found the whole experience really rewarding. It was just such a nice, warm atmosphere. It was like a big family. And uh, yeah, it was gutting when it was all over, to be honest. (laughs) But it wasn't a warm set or a warm shoot, was it? (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It was freezing. Baltic. (laughs) But it was good. It kept us going. I think it would have been a comfortable shoot, then we wouldn't have got the same out of it. But because it was blooming freezing at two o'clock in the morning, 
Yeah. You could see that we really were really tense, but it was because we were tense with cold, trying to keep yeah. ourselves and warm. Fatigue. But it really added to the performances, I think. So it was really real and raw, and it was good. I like that. Yeah. Scotland's <laughs> yeah. the best that keeps on giving with atmosphere, isn't it? You'll just you'll be frozen, you'll be wet, you'll be <laughs> yep. in the dark. Looking the most everything. unglamorous you've ever looked in your life, with <laughs> dripping nose and streaming eyes. But it worked, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So horror is a genre where you know, a lot of people seem to like it. I noticed you've done a couple of horror things in the past, Vivian, with zombie Nazi stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is that a genre you, you both really like to dip into? And what is the appeal to it? Yeah, I am, I've am. i always loved horror movies. Well, since I was a wee girl, I've been fascinated with horror. I was a massive fan of The Exorcist. I think I was 17 and my mum and dad took me to see a special screening of it, a midnight screening in town on the last night of my school show to cheer me up because it was the last night of the school show. And it was just incredible. I loved all the effects and the prosthetics that Linda Blair wore. So when I was offered the role as the Nazi zombie matron in Outpost Black Sun, I just jumped to the chance because I thought, this is it. This is the one chance I can get to be really grotesque and ugly. I mean, not saying that I'm gorgeous all the time, but I got to be really gross with black teeth and gnarly hands. And it was just amazing. And I love the grotesque. I just love gore and guts and bone crunching and blood and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, Shadowland really appeals as well. So, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. I think because I've got quite big eyes, horror filmmakers like that, you know, sort of screen queen stuff. So, yeah, it just seems to be a genre that I love, but I seem to fall into it quite well. So we'll see what happens, if there's anything else coming up, which there might be. There's always plenty of horror. Oh yeah. You have to imagine that there'd be more horror movies made in 2020 and 2021 after we've just been through <laughs> Zoom oh, horrors. Definitely. Zoom horrors have to be coming out soon. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, there's, sure well there's the host. Is it the host? Is that oh yeah, that's I've right. Yeah, it. I've not seen that yet. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's like a lockdown horror. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are in lockdown horror. We watched a play. In lockdown, but it was original. I don't know if I should say the name of them, and I won't because I'm about to say no. No, it was good. <laughs> it was like Zoom theater, so their eye lines were like all over the place, and they're like really dodgy backdrops. And we paid like fifteen quid for it to rent it online. <laughs> we were sitting there like, what? And Uncle Vanya was on BBC iPlayer for free. <laughs> well, you were supporting different. a scrappy production, so you can be proud of that. it's all good it's all entertaining anyway isn't it yeah (laughs) so I asked Simon this yesterday I asked if there was any kind of pranks or silliness on the set but he said he was too busy reviewing footage and planning for the next stuff so it's something that I need to ask you guys because he didn't notice if there was any silliness on his set so was there any do you know what it was so much fun we all stood in this huge (laughs) like this Airbnb kind of mini mansion outside of Edinburgh and we all had a, a room and it was quite 70s wasn't it it was quite it like was so decadent cool. and it was really cool it was really cool like I, it was quite my room was itself. like all pink I had this big massive pink bathroom and stuff and I was like <laughs> yeah nailed it ma That's it. <laughs> big time oh God, I've got my own room in Scotland but we would get home at like two or three in the morning would have a beer or a glass of wine hang out for a bit and then go to bed and then get up do a yeah. rehearsal and people do their own things but there was so much camaraderie there wasn't time for pranks because it was like no. a two and a half two and a bit week shoot 
But we did have this amazing matriarch house mum. Oh, yeah. She was class and her name's just gone out of my head. <laughs> um, what was her name? Oh, no. If you know, oh, my God. I've forgotten myself. Anyway, she cooked for us every day. She cooked us like breakfast, lunch and dinner. What I will say is that the mansion that we stayed in, it wasn't where we were actually staying in a mansion. The mansion was oh, being no. used as part of the set as well. <laughs> yeah. That was the ambassador's house, but we just sort of doubled it and yeah. slept in it as well. <laughs> So it wasn't that, you know, it's like, oh, that's where actors are staying in this massive oh, mansion. No, no, gosh, no, darling, no, no. It was all very low budget. Restrictive. But it was good and it worked. Yeah. The gutting thing about the house was there was a swimming pool. There was an indoor swimming pool, but the door was locked and there was no water in it. Could you imagine, Ben, if the swimming pool had been functional? Wow. Which, in hindsight, we could have used for horror purposes because there's nothing eerier than an empty <gasps> swimming pool in a I house. Know. I know, yeah, it was amazing. I'm it going for so a swim, cool. but there's no water. <laughs> Who needs water <laughs> when we go. can get Why some blood? No yeah, yeah, that's it. Wait, I thought you said this pool wasn't filling up. Oh, no, don't go down. It's special red water. <laughs> That'll but be yeah, an extended great. cut that comes Absolutely. out in 2024 or whatever. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> or the <Yeah>. sequel. <laughs> yeah. Well, Simon loves his extended edition Lord of the Rings, so yeah, he'll release oh, the well. definitive cut next year or something. I can imagine him doing that. <laughs> you never know. And there's a bit of action stuff in the film as well, which must have been really fun to shoot. What's it like picking up a gun and then pretending it's firing and imagining it's firing and trying not to make the bullet sounds? Well, <laughs> one of my friends just took a... Uh, I posted on a couple of my friends' groups to be like, here's the trailer, show a bit of love. Oh, or else, what's the point? 20 to 40 years in this business. And they took a still of me holding the gun. I think Vivian, you're behind me and mm-hmm. Rebecca's behind me. And my mate yeah. like circled it and he's like, oh, you got the gun stance, right? And I was like, yeah, we had a proper firearms trainer on set. Yeah. And Dave Caldo is amazing, but he was quite diligent, let's say. Oh, yeah. Even if you touched a gun, the guns weren't real. They didn't shoot blanks. They didn't have any ammunition in them. They had clips in them, but they had no bullets. But even if you held it wrong, he'd come up and be like, hey, don't you be holding that gun wrong? I'm like, it's a fake gun. In hindsight, it was great because it's, it made us hold the gun properly at all times because at yeah, the start, yeah. we were kind of goofing off, as you would, you know what I mean? You're on stage, like, I, I swear, at one point when we had the, the when mom and dad first get kidnapped, I popped out and it's like, all right, you get my back. Pew, pew. And then it's like, like, you don't have to make the gun sign. It's it's so hard not to. You turn into your 10-year-old self. I I was my own special effects and sound effects team. Pew! Pew, pew, pew! It'd be the same if someone handed you a lightsaber. You would make the noise, wouldn't you? You you would never stop yourself. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. (laughs) Mechanized breathing. Yeah. That was really cool. He was really on us. Yep. So it was good. It definitely comes across. It definitely seems authentic based on my limited knowledge of holding guns, having only ever <laughs> yeah. watched TV or films where people hold guns, never doing it myself. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely no, like, you're, you're allowed to hold it gang style sideways. That was never happening. <laughs> no. No. That's it. But it was, it was really stuff. good. It was really interesting learning. Don't put your finger in the trigger. Just don't. Yeah. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> you just automatically go to do it. 
Yeah, how to identify when the safety's off as well, which is such yeah. a classic trope in movies. Where it's like, you got two seconds, yeah. Buster. And the other guy's like, what you didn't realize is your safety's still on. Uh, which is uh, so classic. true. Yeah, no, it was really cool. And uh, yeah, it was really great to learn how to hold them properly and go through the motions. And also he gave us signals to use and how you do short burst steps. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't just walk out in the open and start swinging madly. You stick to the side, you stick to the wall, yeah. stop people, you'll do signals. I'm, uh, for those listening, I'm doing a fist <laughs> signal and then uh, a two-fingered signal to salute <laughs> and get people moving. So it, that was really great Absolutely. to make it look authentic. Because I remember one of the first scenes I filmed was with Colin and it was almost like a choreographed piece we did, like a dance, walking back, yeah. two steps back, two steps forward, stop, look. You know, it, my mind was blown. It was great. And then I watched and went, oh, wow, that just looks so cool and so menacing and exciting. Yeah, it makes such a difference. I sound about 12, but it's true. I was just like, oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> it looks so proper. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making pretend for a living. So your inner 12-year-old well, will appreciate it. Hey, Absolutely. just like politicians. Oh, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> good, let's good not point. get political. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. No, that's no, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So outside of the film, and your Twitter says that you do impressions. So what are your main impressions? And can you give us some? God, what's Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that thing that I don't go on very often. Okay. Oh, God. Impressions. Now, that's putting me on the spot. So for on-the-spot impressions, I do Christopher Walken. Did I do a Christopher Walken doing a review of Shadowland. How's that? <laughs> Go for that. Yeah, that sounds good. Craig, I can't see. It's beautiful to be here in Scotland. It's a wonderful country. I've heard about this movie called Shadowland. The horror. Shooting. That's it. There you go. That's it. That's all you get. That's all you get for free. <laughs> Brilliant. Dun, dun, dun. That's, that's the, the, the teaser. And Vivian, you've played various celebrities in, in a thing. So what are your celebrities that variously did? Well, the thing is, it was in Heads. So I don't know if you've seen Heads. It's a children's BBC programme that was on mm, about five or six years yeah. ago. And I didn't actually do any of the voices. I was being the bodies of celebrities and had fear, like I was oh, having right. like a giant Hollywood behead on or whatever. And you know, was, we were acting out comedy sketches, but it was like a mime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then voiceovers down in London would do their voices. But I don't know. I mean, oh, you know, Hollywood be. Oh my God, that's so yummy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Putting me on the spot. <laughs> Or Chucky from Rugrats? I don't know. I don't know, Toppy. I mean, maybe Angelica will be bad at us if we go there. That's great, <laughs> uh, Chucky. I like Chucky's best. I just wish the Rugrats would be back on mainstream television. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't really know. I don't do a lot of impersonations. You know, she made me blush. Do you know what you've done now? You've, you've opened up an impression off. I've opened up the floodgates. Like, that's what that's, can I do? Two actors. You've, got, you've done it yourself, Greg. It's your own fault. You've got two actors, and now they're going to do impressions. <laughs> you've got Donald Trump who's going to weigh in and say, Vivian, I love your work. It's a beautiful Vivian. But I want to have my golf course. Not get, don't take my golf course away from me. Not in <laughs> Greg, I've heard you're doing great things over there in the podcast. Go Trump in 2024. Excellent. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah. There's a, a bit of a Donald Trump cameo. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> First time I've ever had impressions on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's other that. ones I can do, but my mind's just gone blank. If only your listeners could see how red faced I am at the minute. <laughs> and me. <laughs> <laughs> Typical actors, we've been in lockdown for so long. We're like, what? You wanted me to do something? I know. I'll do, do anything. I'll do an impression. <laughs> we've been locked down for two years. I'll do the yeah. I'll do Swanee River. Uh, jazz hands. <laughs> I'll do a tap dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad but true though. I do stand up as well, and like, we haven't been able to be on stage for a year and a half. And I'm, I won't do Zoom. I, not that I won't. I haven't done a Zoom gig yet because I just don't really see how that works with interaction with people. Yeah, I watched one or two, and they're they're just not the same. So yeah, all jokes aside, it's lovely to actually talk and goof around a bit again without it being just your partner at home and they're going, but you. I never stop doing those voices for sake. <laughs> doing me head in here, look. I know. Next you time, have a new audience. An <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure she's. Well, has it been like in lockdown? What well, has been filling your time, really? Because obviously, as actors, they'll be it'll be difficult to get work at the moment because there'll be a lot of productions shut down, or the ones that are will be super careful and minimum mm-hmm. sort of staffing or whatever. I think as creative, you gradually gravitate to another form of media or medium. So a lot of comics started doing little skits and sketches and stuff on, on online. I know I did it the first lockdown. I, I went into hyperdrive of putting content out and impressions and sketches and stuff. And then then I just kind of gave up on life and got drunk like everybody else and made banana bread. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those <are> the days. Yeah. <laughs> the last second lockdown... Signed up for some writing class. I did some writing, so I'm, at the minute I'm editing a couple of sitcoms. One sitcom and a drama that I've written. So I've yeah been busy myself with writing a couple of pilots and just trying to keep healthy. Really, I think it's been a thing in between intermittent boozing. It's the Irish way of intermittent mm. fasting, but we've taken the fasting <laughs> out and we've inserted boozing instead. I've got a lot of Irish family. I understand. You know what I'm talking about, Mackenzie. <laughs> I know that oh, last name <laughs> completely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about yourself, Lady? What's been filling your time? Good question. I have got quite into fitness. I've been doing lots of online workouts and I got a, a smartwatch for my Christmas. So I've been trying to do lots of steps and just watching what I'm doing. So that's been quite interesting, actually. Quite rewarding, too. First lockdown, there wasn't a lot going on at all. But I used the time to look on Twitter, look at casting briefs. You know, I always try and do that. But before a lockdown happened, I was doing quite a lot of event work, corporate events and things like that. So didn't always have time to troll through sites. So managed to get cast in two other feature films in the first lockdown. And nice. just there, I just got a role in the new crime drama, Annika. So I'm going to be filming that in a few weeks. So that's quite exciting. And then I've been doing quite a lot of voiceover work as well in radio adverts and corporate voiceovers for videos and things like that and what else been presenting a radio show every Tuesday morning which has been good fun do that on Pulse Radio Mm 98.4 myself and my co-host Gus we just have a laugh and that's kept me going all through the lockdown that's been one thing that's been every Tuesday morning and it's just been so much fun just to have that routine and just to keep my brain going 
so yeah it's been really good yeah. I've actually really enjoyed lockdown I mean it's awful what's going on <laughs> but and I, I like Ben I've been drinking too much it's becoming too much of a a thing to do every night when actually before lockdown I didn't really drink that much at all but now it's like that right so is it a gin night or a wine night and everybody I talk to is the same so yeah I need to stop that's been the biggest thing of lockdown it's like right what am I going to cook tonight and what can I pair it with yeah or what what shall I drink with some sauteed leeks Sauvignon Blanc (laughs) or Pictopine oh god choices or what can I eat with my wine (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's been interesting. It's been good to have time to actually concentrate on what you, you know what we want to do. Yeah. But I've been quite lucky. I've been able to get some work, work working, you know what I mean? Work doing virtual conferences, behind the scenes stuff as well. So that's been really eye-opening. And before lockdown, I didn't even know what Zoom was. And now, you know, I'm on it every day. It's incredible. It's good. Yeah, it's been a useful tool. Imagine this had happened oh, 20 yeah. years ago. Would have been all lost, nobody to talk to, no way to talk to anybody. Oh, it would have been awful. <laughs> but no. also we wouldn't really know. We would only know no, through the news. True. Like we, we wouldn't have people posting about it on social media. We'd know it was there, but we wouldn't have everyone's opinion on it or everyone's That's take true. on it, which is kind of interesting if you yeah. think about that 20 years oh, ago. Yeah. God, yeah. You wouldn't even have your neighbour coming around to tell you about them being bored. That's true. Shouting across the window, are you still in lockdown? Yes. It's weird. Shouting across the fence, just, Are you still alive? Yes. Oh, good. Me too. All right. (laughs) Check in again, same time next week. What are you going to do in June? Move away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Get as far away as possible. That'll be the plan. (laughs) So on your IMDb, Vivian, one thing caught my eye. I like fan films and I like Doctor Mm -hmm. Who and I like Alien. And you combined all three of those things. What was that like? Working on something like that. That was really cool, actually. Some fan productions are more amateurish than others, I guess. But that's the beauty of them, I think. Yeah, The Siege was really cool. I mean, that was filmed, I think, oh God, that was about 2010 or thereabouts. So yeah, that was brilliant, fun to film. Again, there was lots of amazing special effects and a bit of gruesomeness as well if that's such a word and uh, yeah that was just that was just a couple of days I did in that but Brian Hendrick really put it together so well you know he directed it he was acting in it and it was just absolutely super but the thing that I think probably attracted well not attracted him to me but before that this is a bit of an ongoing saga I was actually leading lady in an Indiana Jones fan film called Treasure of the Templars (laughs) which we made in 2006 and it's in post-production. They're literally tweaking it because it looks like a million, you know, millions of dollars worth movie. It was directed by an American guy, Jonathan Lawrence, whose whole selling point, his whole amazing skill set is the fact that he can make no budget look huge. So he has changed all the footage into digital and uh, in fact, possibly into four, blah, 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 4D. No, no, it's not 4D. 4K. What's it called? 4K, duh. Like 3D, 4D, 4K. And 4D, it travels through time. I have a rough, I've got like <laughs> almost the finished cut and it's incredible. And I just wish we could just get it totally finished. The only thing that needs to be done is the score needs to be added, but it's phenomenal. 
and I'm so proud of it. And it's the first feature film that I ever shot, to be honest, bar one. In fact, no, I, I think I got the part in Treasure of the Templars first, but then I actually shot another film before then. And it was just it was so much fun because it was like Shadowland. It was really gritty. We were running around. I had a flame torch. I was running around a cave with <laughs> hair everywhere that I could have easily caught, caught light. There was a, quite a big hype about it when we were filming it. So I'm hoping that it's going to be finished this year. I look like a completely different person in it, but <laughs> it's awesome. And I really think the fans will love it. So between that and the Doctor Who fan film, I think it's really cool just being involved in these real, really passionate projects made by people that just love film and love the characters and love the stories it's a privilege to be part of them yeah I like fan films I know a couple of people that make them as well so nice I'm a big fan Ben, do you have anything to plug Vivian you sort of listed some things you've got coming up have you got anything that you want to plug for the listeners that might be coming up yeah I have got a part in a feature film it's not a horror it's more of a slasher film I think that's the pronunciation of the genre it's by Empire Films and they have distribution Europe and UK and US the movie is called The Lizard Man and I play a bully from South Carolina that terrorizes some local kids out on a scuba skinny dip in evening so I play a bully who goes around and terrorizes these kids based on a legend in South Carolina about a part man, part lizard. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Clues in the name, <laughs> Craig. Clues in the name. <laughs> Definitely a fan movie kind of. This company are quite prolific producers. It's like your friend Lawrence, Vivian. They take small budget movies and pimp them out and make them look really big and Producer yeah. Louisa Warren, she's been in like the Hollywood Reporter as like one of the most prolific producers at the minute because she just churns these things out, but they get really good exposure and stuff. So, yes, yeah, so I've got a part in that. And I've got a pilot that I just shot in London called Relationships, where I play a drug dealer, very 80s style drug dealer. He's all like bare chest medallions and waistcoats with <laughs> no shirt underneath, my tattoos on display. With Drapes to beautiful women. Very, very not 2020 in some respects, or 2021. <laughs> but cast your mind back to a young Tony Montana, and that's the kind of flavor of the character I play. So that was really nice to get two different characters and accents on my reel. And I've signed with a company called Zero Gravity, and they're based in Los Angeles, and they represent most of the writers on Ozark and a few of the actors on Ozark and stuff like that. So the goal is to get more American accent stuff on my reel. And then when COVID disappears and Biden sorts out the mess that Trump left, that we can go to America and get on the next part of the season. Not going to do this year, but next year is definitely on the cards. Just as a last couple of questions, is there anything that we haven't covered about the film that you want to say about it before it's released? By the time people hear this, it'll be released. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it and watch it and buy it and share it and buy it. Oh, sorry. He meant serious <laughs> questions. <laughs> but buy it, because it's really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I think if you're a fan of horror and genres, then it'll definitely appeal to you. But it's got a bit more than that as well. Scotland is such a beautiful country, and I think it really captures a lot of the lovely scenery in the start. And there's tense moments. And I think there's a little bit of something, not for everyone, because that would be ridiculous. There's no like <laughs> romantic story. There's a little bit with Cam. Yeah, there is. Dylan ambassador Dylan yeah but it was really a a labor of love and it was such a shoestring budget and 
everyone had to muck in and help out. And, you know, there was times yes. that we were propping up the cameraman and the sound man at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> honestly, looking them in the eye and going, dude, you got this, all right? Bless John Paul Ross. He was one of the first cameramen on there. And yeah. he would have a shoulder cam, like a proper <laughs> shoulder cam on him for 12 hours a day. And we were in low light and we were against the elements. And sometimes we'd be going into the dark unknown of a building, all very safe and everything, but still just that uncertainty. And he would take a step forward and he'd almost fall to his knee because he was exhausted. And yeah. then he'd then go home and then he would load up all those files onto his computer. And he was probably pulling 15, 16 hours yeah. a day. And I think a lot of times we get on there and we talk about characters and we talk about everything else and not to be like the hero here and say, let's not forget the crew, but those guys it's really true. did. They did so much more work than we did. They recce, they went out and wrecked me. Yep. The place was ready for us to go. Everyone mucked in 100% and it was incredible. I don't think that we probably appreciated it as much at the time, but just talking to you now and looking back at those times and knowing Dick DeBarry, you know, there's always fun and games on set, but we had to do this so right. We had a great time. We had lots of fun doing it, but also we mm-hmm. were super aware that Sticking about and acting a fool was just not on because people had little sleep and little food and just yep. were just working against the clock to get this done. I think we're very proud of what happened in a short space of time with the amount of money that we had, but the energy that went into it was palpable. Absolutely. And even we were really working against time because we'd be working on outdoor locations and obviously the light is always changing. And we were filming it in November and it was obviously pre-COVID. And it was freezing and it was dark and the light, as I said, sometimes it'd be raining and then the sun would suddenly come out and you'd be thinking, how are they going to make this all match? But it did. And yeah, it was amazing. It's just, there's so many different elements that Simon and the rest of the crew had to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, like generators failing on the first or second night. That's right, I forgot about that. First or second night of production, we're like, right, we've got no lights, why don't the generators are gone? It's like an old trope and old saying anything that can go wrong on a shoot will go wrong yeah. if it's not jinxed and cursed then you've probably got a bland piece of crap <laughs> you're saying the exorcist is one of your favorite films vivian yeah the exorcist was plagued all of the exorcist yeah. the older guys movies were played with accidents and horror stories uh, right. and, and mysteries that people can overblow at times but that's the ones that make good movies, the ones that you had to blood and tears and fight people. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was all roses and lamb's wool. We all just got along. <laughs> there were times that we were at each other's throats ah! and that's because you're with each other for 15 hours a day and you just met each other and there's egos and clashes and personalities, but... You just get on with it. We made do. What was good about it, no one acted like they were bigger than anything. Everyone no. was just equals. And that's very rare in a film set. Absolutely. You expect it when it's a low budget because there's not a big name attached per se or a big director or anything. So you kind of feel like, but but still people have their own thoughts about who they are and their own ideas of grandeur. But there was none of that. It was just like, mm-hmm. right, shut your mouth. And I think that's a Scottish and an Irish thing as well. And there was like maybe one or two English people that might have been a bit shocked at first to be like... Oh, this is, and we're like, sorry, this is how you do it, lad. Just mock in, right? Everyone's picking up shit. You get a box, you grab a box, you grab this, you grab that. That's it. it wasn't like, oh, well, I'll be in my trailer. We didn't have a trailer. No. We had a car. We sat, we did our makeup it. in the backseat of a Ford Fiesta. Put our gloves on and get warm. Hold a yeah, cup of hot water. Gloves, to the, get ready the makeup, they're using their phone for a light. <laughs> 
the glamour or we were filming at the airfield there was a toilet but it was in this dark creepy it was almost like a cupboard and it would be two o'clock in the morning and you would take your phone with you as a torch and you'd go to this toilet and we all had yeah. to, I had a toilet roll as well I don't know I think I'd taken it from the house and I'd walk about with my toilet roll <laughs> and you know you'd sit in the <laughs> toilet with your phone on the floor with the torch on shining upwards so that you could see where the toilet actually was and you're thinking yeah. this is it I made it this is filmmaking but it was the fact that we were all there for <laughs> one purpose and it was to make a good film there was no airs or graces we just got on and mucked yeah. in and it was great it was good fun it was a real adventure I loved it there was quite a spooky feeling when we were filming yeah. a lot of it as well in the airfield it was quite eerie and then there was a night remember there was a night that night there was a fire and we yeah, thought it was yeah, something yeah. to do so, with us but it was the guy who owned the airfield who just decided to randomly burn his old couch but we yeah. were like oh my god <laughs> as you do yeah we filmed in a place called Crail yeah it's amazing creepy Crailies oh. like. is like the outskirts of Scotland like in this rundown airbase yeah and all of a sudden it was like the League of Gentlemen like the locals <laughs> just started to burn a sofa and like <laughs> <laughs> it was like Midnight uh, or we're something. making pornography. What are you doing right here? <laughs> it was so weird because at first we thought, is a light going on fire or something? Is it us? But no, it wasn't. Well, thank goodness. Do you know what? I mean, it was such a great location. It was such a, even when we weren't filming, I remember walking around. When I was a kid, that would be the best place to ever go and hang out. I know oh, abandoned yeah. anywhere. It was like, wow, what an adventure to go and be away from your parents and everything else and go and like <laughs> probably have like your first drink, your first cigarette. It reminded me of those places I used to hang out in Northern Ireland. <laughs> to me, I wasn't really scared. It was more like melancholic. I was like, aw, this reminds me of bombed <laughs> home. <laughs> <laughs> to the juxtaposition of that, at night times on a clear night, I remember we had like two or three clear nights and it was bitter cold, like Vivian said. But mm-hmm. we're so far north, so far out of the countryside, there was zero light pollution. So, oh, you know, yeah. one minute you'd have like this, you'd be freezing cold, you'd look up and see... Wow, the stars and just be like, wow, I'm so lucky that I'm actually doing what I like doing. Little things like that, like, oh, I get to see it a gorgeous, clear, starry night, and we've had a really good shoot. So all of the cold and the damp and the hunger and the standing around waiting, <laughs> peeing in cold toilets, the other <laughs> stuff certainly made up for it. It was great. It was an adventure, oh. a real adventure, very rewarding. Yeah, definitely yeah. sounds like. Anyway, sure. And I think it's doing incredibly well. It's got this distribution and it's going to the European film market as well. So that's quite exciting to hear what happens with that. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't want to say anything that I don't know, but Vivian, if there is any other things that you know, like festivals, if any names you can drop, please, you be the one to do it because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> no, <it's>, I, think, <laughs> I think we're allowed to talk about that. We're hoping somebody in America buys it. Yeah. Woo. We're hoping an American buys it and not just off Apple TV. Distributor, <laughs> yeah. Some guy in the That'd US. Awesome. Just, yeah. I bought Chatterland for you, man. I love you in that film. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an illegal patch that I can get British Apple Television. Yeah, my mate was like, "I'm so going to stream this. I'm going to bit torrent this film." I'm like, dude, you're taking no money way. out of my mouth, man. I know that's the thing. <laughs> so fingers crossed. Yeah, don't steal Shadowland. Yes. That's the moral of the story here. Don't steal shadow and steal other things, but no shadow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so last question. I ask this of everyone, since we're a predominantly comic book genre podcast. 
always ask, what would your superpower be if you could have anyone and why? A superpower. For me, I don't know if it's a superpower, but I think it would be a superpower to have to be able to go back and forward in time. So if you wanted to see when the pandemic was going to end, you could just fast forward and visit there and see what's what. But then I'm always fascinated with the 1960s, the 40s, even Victorian times. I'd love to just get a time machine. Yeah, time travel, I think would be great. Even if I was the only person in the world that could do it, I think it'd be so cool. And then I could predict things. And then people would be like, oh my goodness, how do you know that? And then I could become a millionaire. Invest in Bitcoin when it's two pence Bitcoin. (laughs) You never know. The the Bitcoin saga. But yeah, time travel. (laughs) That would be nice. Nice. That's a good one. I've not had that one before, I don't think. Cool. Well, there you go. I think that'd be very fun. That's a really tricky one. I used to always think if I could read people's thoughts and then I watched what <gasps> men want and then I watched what women want. And I was like, <laughs> these are two awful movies and they made me <laughs> never want to know anyone's thoughts or hear anyone's thoughts. <laughs> but you'd be like, hey, what's yeah. up? This guy's such a dick. Like, oh, I heard that. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I bet you would, you asshole. Like, they'd just be always slagging me off and I'd be able to hear it and I'd just go home and cry. So if I had a superpower now, <laughs> it would be invisibility. No, 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 sorry, sorry. Tele- what's the one where you can... Telepathy? No, where you no. can move from places like telekinesis. Teleport. No, te- oh, I was going to say teleport. teleportation. If I could teleport, I would teleport to the beach, which is five minutes from my house. Oh, that would be I'd, so good. Yeah, no, I could, if I could teleport, that would be amazing. Like, to bounce from place to place, that would be amazing. Yeah, I always or, just think that would be, be an amazing footballer. That's not a superpower, that's just a dream. <laughs> see mine would be super speed so i can do everything quickly that i need to do that's good um, also i would never miss the bus again i'd still be lazy but i'd be fast so i'd I'd still catch the bus but i would never miss it because i would always be nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) be able to do speed power walk and like catch up with the bus yeah bus drive you all the text like but you were back there and now but you're what? you're like having broke a sweat you're just you're just having a kind of arm you're like i will if i open the doors <laughs> it's cool this is me i can do this yeah, and i was it. gonna say with teleportation i always think that would be a good power to have when we're actually allowed to go back out at night and it's two o'clock in the morning and you're standing in the taxi queue freezing to death you could just click your fingers and be home in bed i always think that would be really nice that'd be good so yeah i'm with you on that one ben there we go. Some insight into superpowers. I've moved down to Bournemouth, so literally a few minutes walk from the beach, and it's just been ranked the fifth best beach in Britain and the top 25 in the world. And then when there's been a 600% surge in holiday bookings, and I'm like, I do still want to go on holiday. Is that wrong when I've got no. this here? Like my girlfriend's like, why do you want to go on holiday? We've got the beach right there. I'm like, yeah. But it's not the overpriced sandy beaches of Marbella, is it? <laughs> we will get heat waves, but I want to not understand the person who's taken my order and pay 17 euros for a cocktail. Allow me that. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. A change of scene. Yeah, we all deserve it. We deserve yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And by the way, that offer stands. If you guys are ever in Bournemouth, come and say hello, because we do have Aww. beautiful people. Not everybody. Yeah, we don't want the whole country coming down here. <laughs> <post-lockdown. laughs> Thank you, Ben. 
Oh, don't worry. We don't have that many listeners. That's fine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you never all, know. All the listeners will show up and you won't notice them. No. <laughs> this could be it, the breakthrough. Yeah. All right, Ben. Heard you on Craig's show there, lad. Heard you at the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> that you're burning for some reason. This is my whole family. <laughs> We're coming from mum's holidays. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about the film and about your careers and about your lives. It's been great talking about it. And I really hope the film does well and that you all continue to do well. And maybe you'll be in Simon's next film because he'll make one, whether people let him or not, he'll just do it. I know he will. Well, that's it. Simon's so driven. I'm sure he will. He knows what he wants. Yeah, of course. And he does it, which is great. Yeah. I watched the film, really enjoyed it, but you were great in it as well. So... Oh, thanks, Craig. Thank well you very done. much. Thanks, Thank mate. You. Yeah, and thanks for the review as well. Um, I'm assuming that was yourself that did the write-up as well. It was. Yeah, thank yes. you for that. All words were mine, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's a good really one to start it. us off. I think that's the first review, so <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, good. Oh, good. First ever review really... film. I don't think I've ever done that before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. So I've been trolling <laughs> so thank you and thanks for having us it's been great fun yeah, thanks for having us buddy Vivian oh, good darling. to see you as always you too I might see you in person one of these days right <laughs> don't know when hey, June 21st yeah, give one last impression for Craig my buddy there June 21st the roadmap to us back out of lockdown <laughs> shall be the end of spring by damn you body body jujus let's all go watch Shadowland together shall we yes. oh yes how lovely I can't do a Boris impression so I'm just being a posh bird <laughs> how wonderful I'd love that <laughs> yeah so carry yeah anyway there you go <laughs> and, on that there you go little bombshellios yes thank yeah, you so much no thank you thanks very much for coming on and all the best with the film. I hope it does great, and I'll see you in other things in the future. Cheers, Craig. Thank you very much, Craig. Thanks very much, buddy. Have a great yeah, night. Yeah, that'd be great. Much love. Yes, you, yes too. you too. And thank you, Craig, and see you again, hopefully. Thank you. So that was my interviews in connection with my friend Simon's movie, Shadowland. It can be viewed now on Apple TV and various other platforms. All the best to everyone involved, and good luck in the future. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes users, if you could leave a star rating and a comment. You can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave comments on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.